of the electric vehicles have this pre-set-up marketing production they still cannot manage to pull off a demonstration of why it is that Americans should convert to the electric vehicle. But first, uh, I I wanted to read something that Luis Martinez had written in response to garage experts who, of course, did my garage, both flooring and customized storage. Luis said, rarely is the quality of service held true in a business's name. But garage experts are hands down experts in their field of business. Their attention to detail, workmanship clearly demonstrates that they have mastered their craft. Not only are they experts in garage flooring and storage solutions, but are also experts in providing exceptional customer service. Their response time is very quick if you have additional questions. And most importantly, they nailed my request completion date even after we had to bump it up four days sooner. The end result was the amazing garage floor. Thank you, garage experts. And then he posted a photo of the job with what looks like a... I'm not sure what year Mustang that is, but it's a nice looking one. That's what you get with Garage Experts. And, you know, he notes they mastered their craft. This is one of the significant differences between Garage Experts and a lot of other companies locally that provide garage flooring as a service. Garage Experts, this is what they do every single day. It's not one of a dozen different services they provide. So it is done every single day. Not once every six months so that the crew that you have come in, they kind of know how to do it. And half the crew's never done one before, so they're being trained every day. Garage experts under Nick's endorsements at KSGF.com. On an EV road trip to promote green tech, the U.S. Energy Secretary and her entourage couldn't find enough electric vehicle chargers. Now, This has been talked about to a large degree, and it has been used to illustrate the electric vehicle industry is just not something that the American people are, quote, ready for. There's a much, much larger point being missed here I want to talk about. Now, first, it is not uncommon for us to come across stories, often stories that are written from somebody's social media account of what a nightmare a cross-country trip was in their electric vehicle, um, what uh, a nightmare the, the vehicle itself has been. And I, I want to preface this in with something that I have prefaced this discussion with before, and that is I don't have any problem with Electric vehicles, I, I, you know, in terms of their existence. I'm sure for some people, they, you know, some people love them and that's, that's great. What I have a problem with is trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And that's some of what I'm going to talk about here in a minute. 
this has made headlines because Jennifer Granholm, U.S. Uh, Secretary of Energy, embarked on a road trip to promote electric vehicles and how wonderful they are and ran into the exact same problems that so many other Americans have. And largely, it's the ability to drive them. Not just because of the severe lacking of sources, source locations in which you can plug them in, but the fact that instead of, you know, when you go to a gas station in which in any given town, you'll find half a dozen uh, that are competing with one another, or you'll find them out in the middle of nowhere sometimes, you're driving around, oh, there's a gas station, and it takes maybe five minutes and you are on your way for another several hundred miles as opposed to electric vehicles that sometimes can take a couple of hours and you don't even get a full charge. Well, the the reason that this has gotten a, a, a little more coverage than usual is the fact that, and this here's this is the combination of uh, elitism within the liberal mindset and the 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 infrastructure problem with electric vehicles is they had evidently had an advanced person or advanced team that were marking out okay here are the places that we are going to uh, uh, quote fill up where we're going to charge up now mind you most Americans don't have an advanced team to do this for them right most Americans don't have a team of people that you're going to send out to predetermine a path or, or a uh, um, you know, where it is that you're going to go based on, okay, well, we found charging stations here. We found charging stations there. I believe there were a number of different vehicles, so they had to find locations that had numerous charging stations. And they found one, but the problem was they worried that somebody else might be using the charging station, which would be a hindrance to their need to use it. Now, again, with a regular gas station, you don't have this problem, right? You pull up to a gas station and you either wait five minutes to fill it up, or if you want, there's a gas station across the street. And if they have empty pumps, you go over there. With electric vehicles, it does not work that way. So they blocked it off. They parked a gas vehicle in front of it so nobody in order to reserve it. There was a family whose car was an electric vehicle out of charge. It is in the, you know, it's a very hot day. They have a screaming baby and they can't charge their vehicle because Graham Holmes' advanced people had blocked it with a gasoline vehicle so that Her Royal Highness would be able to use it at her convenience. So that family called the police. Now, they weren't calling understanding this was Jennifer Granholm. They, all they know is, hey, we've got, we're stranded here. We've got a screaming baby and, you know, it's hot out and somebody is illegally blocking this electric uh, plug-in station. And NPR was along for this entire thing, so of course they can't not write about it. The answer that we are given when these problems are noted is, well, that's why we that's why we need investment. That's why we need to have the government incentivize 
so that there are these charging stations everywhere and that we advance the technology so that it doesn't take an hour or two hours in order to get your vehicle charged. This isn't unchartered territory. That, see, that's part of what the left tries to do when it comes to this particular situation is tap into the American spirit, right? They're like, well, we're Americans. We can do anything. In fact, if you poo-poo the idea of America heeding the call and successfully creating an infrastructure that would accommodate EVs, you're actually insulting the American spirit. But like so many other sort of analogies they use, this one is a lie. And I want to explain that. We're going to get a news update, also a check on weather, then more ahead. The American Transmissions talk and text line is 447. KSGF, I'm Nick Reed. Good morning, everyone. I'm Color 10's Angela Luna. The Springfield Fire Department was called to a house fire overnight. Neighbors called after they saw flames coming from a nearby home on Forest and Division. Firefighters were quickly able to put out the flames once they got to the home. The fire did substantial damage to the home, but according to officials, the property is abandoned. No one was inside at the time of the fire and there were no injuries. Small businesses in Greene County are still dealing with the effects of the pandemic and inflation is still a major concern across the state. But thanks to the American Rescue Plan Act, Greene County businesses can soon apply for the second round of ARPA funds with more than $2 million made available. The Greene County Commission emphasizes that small businesses are the backbone of our area and starting tomorrow, businesses with up to 100 employees can apply to receive ARPA funding for a maximum award of nearly $50,000. Tune in to Fox 49 for the latest. I'm Angela Luna. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks. Home improvements from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Cloudy morning, slight chance of rain, some patchy fog. Eventually sunshine today with a high of 74. Clear 54 tonight. Sunshine tomorrow. I have 77. <laughs> Sarah Myers, everyone. Thank you. Well, I have done a lot of traveling here lately, and let me tell you, it was a peace of mind, and that is all thanks to Avis, the car rental company. Now, I'm currently using their long-term rental program, and I'm in a 2023 Chevy Trailblazer, and I've had to take a lot of um, unexpected trips here recently, and it was nice knowing that I wasn't depreciating my own vehicle, and I also got to travel in luxury, if you will, because all of the long-term rental program vehicles, they are all brand and new and many of them are fully loaded with all of the bells and whistles now if you are in the market to purchase a new vehicle here soon if you are a person who leases your vehicles and you're wanting a little more flexibility or if you are a business owner looking to add to your fleet the long-term rental program is for you now if you want more information on the program just swing by the avis store off of fort and sunshine and speak to lauren and as always you can find all of the contact information for avis under the sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com. This story that has been making the rounds regarding Jennifer Granholm, her team running into predictable snag while trying to highlight the benefits of electric vehicles and promote them is not an uncommon story. Now, this isn't an anti-electric vehicle uh, story. This isn't... And we need to not look at it that way. We need to not look at this as electric vehicles bad, because that's not what this is about. 
I'm telling you, this electric vehicle situation that we're dealing with in this country today is why every country that has ever tried to centralize an economy has failed. Now, you can give it different names. You can give it the name socialism. You can give it the name communism. You can give it the name fascism. All of those, in it to some degree, in some capacity, you are talking about government calling the shots for the free market system, maybe in different ways, management-wise. You know, with, with socialism, it's more about, you know, the, quote, people owning the companies, whereas fascism, while you can have private ownership, the government tells you how it is that you're going to run your business. Communism, it's kind of a combination of the two, but ultimately it's not a free market system. It is government involved and government is involved for the purpose of creating an environment that is going to be the absolute best for the consumer based off what the people in charge believe. That is in opposition to the free market system in which it's completely organic. Completely organic. You have somebody that's just, you know, comes up with an idea, a product or a service, and if people want it, then it works. If people don't want it, it does not. And then what happens? It goes away, right? The people that drive the free market system, maybe you, you've got in a free market system, a segment of the population that you know their human characteristic, their personality trait is one to come up with new ideas, to try to innovate. Not everyone is that way, you know, some people are. And most of those people who have become very successful at it can tell you for their one success story, a dozen failures. Well, we tried this, lost a lot of money on it, and that went to the ash heap of history. We tried this, boy, that failed miserably. That's why you never hear about it any longer. And it has, of course, proven to be a tremendous success. This is why we had, this is one of, you know, the reasons that America became the country that it was versus countries like Cuba and now Venezuela, the Soviet Union, communist China, all, all of these other countries. This is why we became the powerhouse that we did, because we allowed these things to grow organically. And the brilliance of it in terms of efficiency is that again, when something was a good or service that it turns out people didn't want or they weren't willing to pay the you know the price that was being asked for it, then it just it went away or it improved on its own so that it fit what people wanted. Now that seems obvious, doesn't it? But it clearly is not obvious to people who believe that government should be making these decisions. Government does not react to what the people want. Government tells you what you need, and you will learn to like it. 
because that's what people in government who have power, when they decide they want to use that power, that's how they want to use it. They make these decisions as to, well, people think that they need this, but what they really need is that, so let's make it happen. And that is exactly what we're seeing with the electric vehicle industry is the same reason that industries fail in communist countries, in fascist countries, in in socialist countries, unless there is one exception. They're subsidized by the government financially and through law by forcing people to purchase the product. That's the those are the only industries that exist with any quote success in countries in which the government decides this is going to be the new product and you are going to like it. That is exactly what is occurring with the electric vehicle industry. And this is a point that gets missed too often. We, 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 you know, we get in the weeds and people talk about, well, it's not working because of this. It's not working because of that. You know, there isn't the infrastructure for it. There aren't, you know, this. It's, it's too expensive. It, it, it's cost prohibitive. And the, the, these are all symptoms of what is actually the larger problem, and that is it is not an organic industry. It is not an industry in a free market system that is being that is existing only because the goods and services that are being provided are a combination of things that people naturally want and can afford and are willing to pay for. Instead, it is an industry that is being artificially propped up to a large degree by taxpayers because the government is, you know, whether it's direct subsidies to the companies themselves or giving people incentive via tax breaks, you know, we'll let you keep more of your own income if you buy one of these vehicles and using the law to squeeze companies that base that that produce the products that people actually do want the vehicles that are not electric vehicles and making it to where it is it is it is making you know that product line much more expensive and going so far as to flat out like they did in california say oh we're just going to make it illegal to even sell those you know in so many different capacities human beings we prove to be so stupid because this approach has been done over and over and over and over and over again, not when it comes to electric vehicles, but to all these other products and services in the world. And the approach fails. And this is why it fails. You cannot successfully have any industry flourish by creating laws that force people to pay for it, that force people to purchase it, while at the same time creating laws that make it more difficult and in some instances impossible to buy the product that they actually want. The reason that the electric vehicle industry is not on its own succeeding is because it is a socialistic, communist, fascist, it is a government approach to the private industry. And I don't know how many countries with economies we have to watch fail under this approach before some people wake up. Now, I understand that for some, 
it's all money making. That's what, you know, it's, it's just money, 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 money. And it's the taxpayer dollars that are taken from you against your will, then used by people that benefit from it in order to artificially prop up the industry. But it is just maddening that this is not unknown territory. Humanity has tried this and continues in countries like Venezuela to try it and other countries as well. Why we, with a free society that has a free market system largely, though we're drifting away from it, this being an example of it when it comes to transportation, which is very important and vital to the industry or to our country, why we have been the winners and they have been the losers. And generally, what thinking people do, what an intellectual enlightened society does, is they say, let's look at what the people who are succeeding do and do that. They don't say, let's do what the people who have failed do. And that's what we're doing when it comes to the approach for electric vehicles. Got to take a break. The American Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447-KSGF. I'm Nick Reed. First Alert Forecast, sponsored by Navant, employee benefits that work. The First Alert Forecast, color 10, Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Uh, eventually sunshine today. we got the clouds this morning, a high of 74, mostly clear 54 tonight, sunny with a high of 77. Let's go to Marshall Fairgrove. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. Uh, as usual, you summarized the situation fairly well. Government is to blame, <laughs> and they, they usually screw everything up that they touch. Uh, the electric car situation, uh, I believe that people should have the freedom of choice. Do as they wish, because we're Americans. Freedom of choice. I've noticed through the years that we have fewer and fewer and fewer choices, you know, and I think that's the way the government wants to control everybody. It's like, okay, we're not going to allow you to have this, or we're not going to allow you to have it your way, the way it used to be. We're going to get the EPA involved. We're going to get all these other people and all of our tentacles in your business to where a car company can't hardly produce a car or do anything without the government looking over their shoulder and telling them how they're going to do it. They need to get government out of businesses and uninvolved where these companies can actually do stuff. Like the small trucks that we love, like the little Toyota truck and stuff that they used to make, they can't make them anymore because it doesn't fit the chart of the EPA that they put out. It's ridiculous. You can't get anything that you want because they've got to screw it up. It's like that washing machine situation I told you about. You can't get a washing machine that'll clean your clothes. And if you can, better hold on to it. You got to go back to the 70s to get the decent washer, you know. Well, and the new cars, there's well, so much electronics on that your regular Joe can't get underneath there and fix them anymore. So how do how do people who are struggling already and who used to rely on being able to fix their machines and now can't, how are they supposed to survive Redu- the reduction of choice again and again and again? It, it is the evolution of power and people in power and when they're given power they 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 love to use it even in a more benign 
scenario, and we've seen it here in Springfield. These people have access to money. Ooh, let's buy this over here. Oh, let's uh, let's buy this sports complex out of the private sector. Let's do that. You know, they, they just want to do things because they're given that power to do it. And you get people that are, again, in a position of power, and they come up with what they think is a neat idea or how people, quote, should behave or the things that they should buy. And then they use their power to force it. And the problem is, it, 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 if you are looking for a system in which most people are going to benefit, having a centralized grouping of people tell you what it is you're going to use, whether you like it or not, does not work, as opposed to letting people do what they want to do. I, there's a couple other aspects I want to talk about on this here coming up. But first, I want to welcome uh, Attorney General Andrew Bailey. He joins us this morning. We had scheduled him after uh, that uh, ruling came down regarding the blocking of the Biden administration from the continuation of censoring free speech, which once upon a time, this was this was one of those issues that everyone at least acted as if they agreed upon free speech, but Democrats now uh, fully, it's one of the many amendments that, that are under attack, and and there was uh, some uh, success for the American people on this front, and I know um, very involved in this fight was Attorney General Bailey, and so he joins us. Uh, tell us a bit about this, what this means, and it, it, do you imagine that the administration is going to try to find a workaround so that they can once again begin violating the First Amendment. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me on. And I think there's a great tie in here to your previous segment, which is that, you know, at the end of the day, we got to get back to the original understanding that the Constitution exists to protect us from the government. The government exists to protect our rights. President Biden ignores the Constitution, and liberals want to use the government to control every aspect of their lives. And we've exposed that in this case, Missouri v. Biden, where preliminary discovery, 20,000 documents, numerous depositions, have revealed a relationship of coercion and collusion from federal officials at the White House across a spectrum of bureaucratic agencies to censor conservative voices on big tech social media platforms. We took that evidence. We went to court on May 26. We asked for a preliminary injunction to build a wall of separation between tech and state to protect our rights to free speech, absent government censorship. And on July 4th, the district court handed down that order, put the first brick in that wall, and gave us a preliminary injunction nationwide to protect uh, the First Amendment. The DOJ is committed to future violations of the First Amendment. The harm is ongoing. The court has found that the the federal government demanded that Big Tech change its uh, terms of service and change its algorithms to censor conservative voices. Big Tech did that. Those algorithms are still in place, but also people are self-censoring now. Individuals on social media are less likely to talk about Donald Trump, less likely to talk about COVID, less likely to question the integrity of an election for fear of being shadow banned, removed, deplatformed, or de-emphasized. So the harms radiate across every big tech user and are ongoing today. And the Department of Justice appealed because they want to be able to censor our speech on big tech social media platforms. But we went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and on Friday afternoon, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed the district court order, and that nationwide injunction is going to go into place. I am confident that the Department of Justice and Biden will appeal and will end up at the United States Supreme Court. But for today, this is a huge win in defending our constitutional right to say and hear what we please, absent government censorship. You mentioned the self-censorship, and I remember it was just a few years ago, um, and it was the, the real beginnings of COVID before it really even got to the point here where you had 
the authoritarian approach kick in. And there was a lot of um, recognition that there was in China, social media exists, but it exists in a different capacity. And what one of the things I learned in talking with people that I knew who had lived in China and had family in China and the writings of other people is that particularly young people, they learn they, they learned through symbols and coded words ways to get around the censoring on social media that existed in China so that they could still communicate with one another because there were algorithms set up certain words and so forth that would likely lead to a person being banned or censored. And that's exactly where we are in this country today. You see it all the time where people will post uh, their comments or thoughts about certain issues, but words are turned into symbols instead, or you have them, you know, written in a way that is meant to avoid the censorship. And it's just remarkable, not in a positive way, that we in the United States, just within a matter of a couple of years, have had to learn how it is to work around the censorship of the, the totalitarians like the people in communist China have done. Yeah, that's right. I mean, again, this is why fighting for our constitutional rights is so important. Our nation is slouching towards authoritarianism. The lamestream media has stuck their head in the sand like ostriches. And I hear them say all the time, oh, there wasn't really uh, pressure applied from the White House against big tech to censor speech. Or, oh, so they took down a couple of posts. That's not such a big deal. But listen to this quote from the 74-page opinion that the, the Fifth Circuit handed down on Friday. The officials have engaged in a broad pressure campaign designed to coerce social media companies into suppressing speakers, viewpoints, and content disfavored by the government. The harm that radiates from such conduct extends far beyond just plaintiffs. It impacts every social media user. That justifies the nationwide injunction. There is, there, like, what it, what's at stake here is an enormous magnitude. The harm is ongoing. Missourians are suffering. And think about all the people. It's not just the speakers. The speaker's right to free speech was violated, but it's the listeners as well. How many people that could have had free, fair, and open debate about election integrity, about the Hunter Biden laptop, about COVID remedies, about the effect, lack of effectiveness of masks, suffered because they were not they were deprived of access to that information by the federal government. It's important to note that every piece of information that was suppressed at the government's demand ended up being truthful information. You know, it's interesting. The, the outcomes are the same when you have a, a government or people in positions of power that stifle the freedom of speech and exchange of ideas the outcomes are similar to the stifling of a free market system, and that is the consumer, whether it's the consumer of products and goods or the consumer of thoughts, diminishes. They miss out. There's There are less options. And, you know, whether it is – and we're going to talk about more on that EV issue coming up here – or the stifling of and the interfering of the free market of ideas, um, the people lose. You're, you're 100% correct, and that's why the Supreme Court – has traditionally described a free marketplace of ideas. And that's the purpose of the right to free speech codified in the Bill of Rights, to protect a free marketplace of ideas. But that's not what's going on here because President Biden has committed himself to suppressing one viewpoint. Any content disfavored, any speech he doesn't like, anyone that disagrees with him and his narrative, he's going to put his thumb on the scale and make sure no one gets to hear it and we all suffer for that. 
Uh, Attorney General Andrew Bailey with us. That last question, boy, uh, the Attorney General over there in New Mexico, how awesome would your job be if you had that attitude like, well, Constitution, whatever, it's not absolute, neither is my oath. I can do what I want, of course. The uh, New Mexico Attorney General, out, or no, sorry, the governor out there, rather, um, just uh, up and deciding to suspend the Second Amendment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's shameful. She's a disgrace. She took an oath to uphold the Constitution, and now, what well, was she joking? Because now she's saying, oh, well, the Constitution's kind of fungible. You know, it's not absolute. Right. But <laughs> What's look, the there's a lot of parallels. With, yeah, there's a parallels between that and Missouri v. Biden. In Missouri v. Biden, the Department of Justice went to court and told the judge, hey, COVID justified these violations of the First Amendment because we had to do this. Well, the national emergency or whatever contrived emergencies will never end. Policymakers, authoritarians will always use that excuse to violate our rights if we don't stand up and fight back. That's what we're doing here in Missouri and Missouri v. Biden. We're going to do it nationwide. And I promise you what's happening in New Mexico will never happen here in Missouri as long as I'm attorney general. Attorney General Andrew Bailey, good to hear from you. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you, sir. All the best to you and your listeners. All right. Thank you much. Take care. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Speaking of innovation, which thrives in a free market system, it is stifled, strangled, killed off in a, a, an economic uh, situation where people at the top government just make the decision what you're going to like. Uh, one of the innovative aspects of Aller Building Company was the recognition that oftentimes when a new home's being built and then people <clears throat> who are purchasing the new homes get to make the house a home through the ambiance, the the fixtures and the cabinets and the the countertops and the fixed you know the the faucets and so forth. Uh, oftentimes found it daunting traveling all over the place to, you know, for this place, for the farm, let's go over here to the lighting store and pick out the lighting. Let's go to the countertop store. And so innovation led all our building company to have them all in one location in a showroom floor. So you don't have to travel everywhere. So you want that convenience to benefit from that innovation. All our building company, O L L E R. <clears throat> There, it continues to be a lot of talk about this situation with Jennifer Granholm, Energy Secretary, as she set out to market the benefits of electric vehicles, and in doing so, because of the difficulty finding places to fill them up, she had her advanced team find locations where, I say fill them up, charge them up, I suppose, and they blocked one off so that it would be available for her to use when she got there because if someone else is using it, you know, it can take a couple hours in order to juice them up. That would not be convenient, so they blocked it off with a gasoline vehicle. Police got called by a family that, you know, needed to charged their vehicle they had a crying baby and it was hot outside and here that so of course and npr was along for the ride uh and so they wrote about this this is how the public knows about it and there are a lot of people it's unfortunate that this ev situation has turned erroneously into an argument as to evs themselves that's not what any of this is about that that is not in fact Sadly, electric vehicles are arguably a victim of all of this, too, because when you have government forcing an industry upon the people, then that industry does not have to rely on being innovative in order to win a marketplace. This is how products get better. Products do not get better because people are told you're going to buy this whether you like it or not. 
and we're going to manipulate the marketplace so that you have no choice. That does not make products better. What makes products better, more efficient, and more affordable for people is when the number one uh, um, component to decision-making is, is the customer going to want this and be able to afford it? Not, is the government going to do us a favor? What legislation is the government going to pass? Is the government going to change the laws so this electric company has to put up this many EV charging stations? This is why refrigerators and televisions, and this is why we see constant advancements in areas in where you don't have government making these decisions to such the heavy degree that they are with electric vehicles. And so it, it stifles innovation, which is, of course, ironic because the government claims that they're all about pushing innovation and using your tax dollars to invest in innovation. But that approach does the opposite. I wanted to, this is so, the EV discussion and all this, it shouldn't be about lack of infrastructure. It shouldn't be about the lack of affordability. It should be about what causes all that. And that is the government's play in this. Many of you, and I want to read to you a story from the Houston Chronicle. It's relatively short, but this is such an illustration of what works and what doesn't work. And many of you are going to be familiar with this. When Boris Yeltsin went grocery shopping in Clear Lake. This is from the Houston Chronicle. For those of you who, who Boris Yeltsin, who was the leader of, of Russia, and, you know, there was the fall of the Soviet Union. And if you're not familiar with this story, this is a fascinating story. In 1989, Russian President Boris Yeltsin's wide-eyed trip to a Clear Lake grocery store led to the downfall of communism. It was September 16, 1989, and Yeltsin, then newly elected to the new Soviet parliament and the so super Soviet, had just visited Johnson Space Center in Texas. At JSC, Yeltsin visited Mission Control and a mock-up of a space station. According to Houston Chronicle reporter Stephanie Assen, it wasn't all the screens, dials, and wonder at NASA that blew up his skirt. It was the unscheduled trip inside a nearby Randall's location, Randall's being a grocery store. Yeltsin, then 58, roamed the aisles of Randall's, nodding his head in amazement, wrote Asin. He told his fellow Russians and his entourage that if their people, who often must wait in line for most goods, saw the conditions of U.S. supermarkets, quote, there would be a revolution. Yeltsin asked customers about what they were buying and how much it cost, later asking the store manager if one needed a special education to manage a store. In the Chronicle photos, you can see him marveling at the produce section, the fresh fish market, and the checkout counter. He looked especially excited about frozen pudding pops. Quote, even the Politburo doesn't have this choice, not even Mr. Gorbachev, he said. When he was told through his interpreter that there were thousands of items in the store for sale, he did not believe it. He even thought that the store was staged, a show for him. Little did he know, there are countless stores just like it all over the country, some with even more things than, Randall, than the Randalls he visited. The fact that stores like these were on nearly every street corner in America absolutely amazed him. They even offered him free cheese samples. 
According to Asen, Yeltsin did not leave empty-handed. He was given a small bag of goodies to enjoy the rest of his trip, about a year after the Russian leader left office. A Yeltsin biographer later wrote that on the plane ride to Yeltsin's next destination, Miami, Florida, he was despondent. He could not stop thinking about the plentiful food at the grocery store and what his countrymen had to subsist uh, what had to subsist on in Russia. In Yeltsin's own biography, he wrote about the experience at Randall's, which shattered his view of communism, according to pundits. Two years later, he left the Communist Party and began making reforms to turn, uh, econom- or to turn the economic tide in Russia. Uh, he said, when I saw those shelves crammed with hundreds, thousands of cans, cartons and goods on every possible sort, for the first time I felt, quite frankly, sick with despair for the Soviet people, he wrote. That such a potentially super-rich country as ours has been brought to a state of such poverty, it is terrible to think of. The leader himself would step down in the last days of 99 after years of trying to bring the new system to Russia. The cronyism in place, however, managed to stifle his dreams and so forth. And then, of course, you know, we have Russia today. I know many of you know I've spoken before about uh, you know a decade ago spending time in Ukraine and then having the benefit of hosting some of the friends I made in Ukraine here to the United States and they had never been out of Ukraine and of course I wanted to and I did I took them to a lot of different neat events took them to Kansas City went to Silver Dollar City the place that they wanted at, so I had taken so one of them needed to purchase something so I, I took them into Walmart could not get them out of there. They would literally spend an hour per aisle looking at items in a maze. That's how I know this Boris Yeltsin story. Of course, it's true, but it resonates with me because I saw the same thing. And Ukraine, though it was former Soviet Union, still had a lot of the Soviet Union. That's one of the things that they, you know, they told me there. They said we, you know, everyone thinks that we had freedom since we left the Soviet Union, but the leadership at the time was pretty much the same mindset of centralized government, economy, and so forth. And they just could not understand. This is why Boris, Boris Yeltsin, he asked, "What sort of special training do you need to run a grocery store?" Because their mindset is, the items that exist are the items that the government decides you need. And because everyone is different and different people have different wants and desires and and so forth, and there are going to be, you know, some overlapping and so forth that, that you, you cannot do it that way. It doesn't work that way because we're not robots. The best way you do it is you just, you give a free society. You allow the people who want to be innovative, the ability to do so and to benefit from it financially, and they're going to do it and they're going to fail over and over and over again. But instead, when the government fails, what do they do? Look at what's happening with the EV industry. They continue to try to shove it down your throat. Well, we'll just make a new law saying that you can't build competitor vehicles by way of gasoline. Well, we'll just build a law saying this. We'll create a law that says that. And you end up with empty shelves. You end up with subsidized products that become more and more expensive and that aren't as effective and efficient because there's no competition. We've seen this over and over and over again. Yet here we are, barreling down the path of failure. The reason that we continue to see these failures demonstrated when it comes to the world of EVs isn't because of EV as a product, electric vehicles as a product. It is because of the government's decision that you will like it, you will purchase it, 
And we will do everything in our powers legally to make sure you have no other choice but to do just that. Someone had texted that you dog the you'll uh, own nothing and you'll be happy way of life, yet Avis long-term rental endorsements are done. Um, So Avis is free market system. They are doing long-term rental. That way people can have the option of seeing whether they really like a vehicle before they purchase one in the free market system. So it's kind of the opposite. It don't, I mean, there's some confusion there, uh, but that that is an example of innovative free market system. Hey, let's try this new way of a rental system, see if people like it, can benefit from it, and if so, then it works. That's the great thing about a free market system. News in 60 seconds. <laughs>